You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Throughout this month of August, we've been telling the stories around water and some of the scripture passages that maybe aren't as familiar as others. So today we're talking about the story of Miriam. Our scripture today speaks directly to Miriam's leadership skills. At first in in the Bible, Miriam is just known as Moses' sister by the banks of the Nile River. But together with her brothers, Moses and Aaron, Miriam is described as part of a family of leaders. Although unlike her brothers, she never really attained a formal position. The rabbis assert that she contributed greatly to the redemption of Israel from Egypt. She is mentioned as the one who prophesied that Moses was coming and that he would be the deliverer to redeem Israel from the Egyptians. In addition, Miriam acted as a teacher and a leader during the wanderings in the wilderness. By her merit, the Israelites were accompanied by a well that bears her name. The Bible accurately reflects the patriarchal background of this time period when the leadership was predominantly male. And at the time this text was written, the leadership of Miriam is a critique on that situation. The mention of Miriam's name throughout scripture and the lack of explanation with her name leads scholars to believe that everyone in Israel knew her importance and that her value and worth as a leader was common knowledge. There's negative as well as positive traditions about Miriam that testify to her prominence, power, and prestige. She participates with Moses and Aaron to lead the Israelite community during the Exodus. She saved her baby brother. She celebrates during the crossing of the Red Sea. All of these things show her concern for people. And later in her life, that concern is reciprocated back to her. Because when she was sick, the Israelites refused to move camp until she was healed. Unlike most women in the Bible, Miriam is never called a wife or a mother. She has neither husband nor children. Some traditions, however, can't tolerate that status, and so some scholars will give her a husband and a son, but they're not mentioned in Scripture. In the New Testament, Miriam's life continues in her name and her deeds. For you see, the word Miriam means Mary as well. And the, ex- the attributes of the Marys all throughout the gospel reflect Miriam's leadership and her namesake. Hi, I'm Amanda Hess, and I'm on location in Lake Leelanau in northern Michigan. I'll be reading from the book of Exodus, followed by a verse from the prophet Micah. From the book of Exodus. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. 
the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. From the book of Micah, for I brought you up and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent you before Moses, Aaron and Miriam, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. Ooh, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. So here is the story of Miriam as I imagine it in Miriam's eyes. Come with me on this journey. You see, I remember it well. The sun was beating down on us. Finding shade was almost impossible. Between the crocodiles swimming around and the constant boat traffic, I could never relax. Mom put me in charge of watching my baby brother on the river. You see, I know he is special. I'm the first one who said that. If only Pharaoh would be reasonable and stop threatening our people. To keep my mom safe, my dad even divorced her after Aaron and I were born because he thought that would keep her from having any more kids. My little brother and I convinced him that mom was safer with them together. I told them both that their marriage would provide a savior for Israel. Thankfully, they believed me, even though I was young. And so I spent time on the riverbank, watching over the youngest member of our family while there was a price on his head. My heart skipped a beat when Moses' basket was discovered by some of the palace workers. They took the basket to Pharaoh's daughter, and in that moment, I thought I completely failed my mission. Moses was so tired and upset, as babies do when they're stuck in baskets on the river. And thankfully, Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on him. She was very open to my idea of having mother come and care for Moses. She even offered to pay. Imagine, Moses was safe, mom gets to raise him, and the family gets money from Pharaoh's coffers. How could it be any better? Mother and I made sure to sing to him constantly and teach him about Yahweh, our God. We knew that our time with him was short, and we wanted to be sure that he understood who he was, an Israelite. I missed my baby brother when he went back to the palace and through those years. I heard that he got into a wee bit of trouble and disappeared into the desert for a while. 
Thankfully, Aaron kept tabs on him, and we eventually heard word that, that Moses had married a lovely Cushite woman. Next thing we know, Moses is back in town and begging Aaron to help him negotiate with Pharaoh as we try to get freedom from Egypt. After a lot of drama, some people call them plagues, we finally received word to be ready to roll. We didn't even have time to let the bread rise properly before we baked it. We had to be on our way. But even in our rush to pack, I thought we might need some musical instruments. So I grabbed a few on my way out the door, as one does. I had a sense that we needed to learn how to celebrate again. There was not much to celebrate during our captivity in Egypt. Any celebrations or parties had to be quiet affairs, so we didn't draw attention to our happiness. I was ready to sing loudly and dance for the Lord because it was way past time. When the sea allowed us safe passage, we knew it was time to celebrate. So I gathered all the women around me and handed out drums and tambourines, and we danced our way to freedom. They called me a prophet. I'm the first female prophet listed in our history, and all that from just starting a party to celebrate the work of the Lord. On our journey through the desert, I got to know Moses' wife, Zipporah. She was righteous and a wonderful partner for Moses. Then we heard in the camp that Moses had left his wife because he was trying to repent for his past sins. I got my big sister brain going and said, this will not do. He is acting just like our father before Moses was born. It isn't safe for women to be without a family. We can be cast out or harmed if we're not protected by a family unit. Not to mention the gossip that will fly around his wife. No one's going to believe that Moses left because of something he did. They're obviously going to blame her. Well, Aaron and I found Moses and tried to talk some sense into him. Things got a little heated. People said I didn't know my place. But it's much more important for me to speak truth than to appear to be a good woman. Well, after my little spat with Moses, I got a nice case of leprosy. <laughs> of course, everyone said that was my reward for talking back to my little brother, you know, God's prophet. Thankfully, my brothers all disagreed. And so did many of the people, because they refused to move camp and leave me behind until I was well. Historical records and various texts like to talk about my life in a variety of ways. My songs and my spirit are passed down through the generations as celebrations of God's work in our world. The fact that I didn't know my place or, acting accorded, or act accordingly to the female customs of the day has stood as testament that God can use all of us, no matter what limitations may seem to be in our way. When people only saw my baby brother Moses as this big, powerful leader, I saw him as the little kid that pulled my hair and I had to wipe his nose. That kept the leader of our freedom firmly human in my eyes. 
Sometimes it takes those around us who know us best to keep us grounded, especially if you're like Moses and talking to God on the mountaintops. So I believe that we should keep fighting for what we know is true. Even if you or I may seem like an unlikely candidate for God to use, we never know what may happen along the way. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.